And hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Cule Show Quick Shift Edition here on 12 Ounce Sports. I am your host today, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Cule. Sorry it took us a little bit long to get started today, but that's okay. We're live here on 12 Ounce Sports, whether you're watching us here on the old Twitter, whether you're on the Facebook, whether you're on Zingo TV, channel 761, sign up using the promo code 12 ounce. That's 12 zero Z or Z. If you're on, I mean, if you speak the improper English, it's Z. Nonetheless, we are live here today. Thank you very much for being patient with us. As always, we got a lot of stuff to talk to today in this quick shift edition, in this one hour edition of the Cule Show. We got a lot to talk about because not just on top of the fact that we have still the second round of playoff action to talk about in the Stanley Cup playoffs, but news outside of the bubble. We got we have GM talks. We have trade proposals. We have actual trades. We have Darren Ferris adding to his just his list of players that he's just going to get thousands and thousands. No, it's going to be thousands. Millions and millions of more dollars. Sorry, I was thinking of like, you know, for me, you know, this the kind of, you know, contract that I would get. It'd be like, here's like a couple thousand. There's Max Domi with millions just getting shoveled into his bank account and into Darren Ferris's pocket. I don't know why I'm using a shovel right now, and you're probably just hearing my my chair just starts squeaking just kind of very awkwardly. But thank you all also very much for t- tuning in today. Blah. Coffee is kicking. My, I ain't done with this cup of coffee. No, I'm not. Give me one second here. Here we go. All right, there we go. We got the coffee finished up. We're ready to go here for this episode of the Kuehl Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. Make sure you also get involved with today's episode as well. Use the hashtag TKS at the Kuehl Show. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And make sure you get in the chat a little bit. Tell us what you think of what's going on, not just in the in the bubbles, in the Edmonton and Toronto bubbles in the playoffs, but tell us what you think is going around the around the league. Players are getting traded while the playoffs are still going on. This is so unprecedented for us. We're not used to having trades and signings and stuff like that while the postseason's going or while the playoffs, excuse me, are going because we're so used to just waiting everything out and just kind of be like, all right, we'll wait for July for all the good stuff to happen. Wait for the draft. Nope. We're still in the second round of the playoffs and Jake Allen's a Montreal Canadian. But before we get to all that good stuff, we must make sure we thank the folks that are bringing us today's episode of TKS, like mybookie.ag. All sorts of sports coming up here. College football is coming back. Heads up. NFL is coming back in a couple weeks. Make sure you get signed up by using the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS. Sign up for free. Bet on all sports, win, and get paid. Because getting paid is fun. Money is fun. Money, Money makes things fun. Money doesn't buy happiness. But have you ever seen a sad person on a jet ski before? I know it's kind of a redundant thing, but it's kind of true. Also, Second String Leather Company, Collection 6. Did we talk about it the other day? Yes, we did. Collection 6 coming out. All sorts of cool wallets. Mike Smith's old gear, some old Brian's Beast. Patrick Waugh's gear has been turned into cool stuff, leather attachments, leather accessories. Told my dad about it, and guess what he said? He said a lot of words that I cannot say on the show, but he will not be purchasing any Patrick Waugh gear at this time. I do apologize for all the Montreal fans out there because it well it looked like the same Montreal pads that he wore during that nine nothing game that ended up getting him traded to the to Colorado Avalanche and the rest is history, right? Right. We got a lot to talk to today on today's program. We have only one series that has been wrapped up. We'll get to that a little bit later on. Boston and Tampa finishing in five games. We'll obviously preview tonight's action between the 
Islanders, and the Flyers, as well as the Vegas Golden Knights and the Vancouver Canucks, the nightcap, both those game sixes. And, of course, we'll be previewing with that game seven between the Colorado Avalanche and the Dallas Stars. That series has gotten interesting since we had our show this past Monday, Alex and I. We were wrong. Let's just put it that way. We'll be straight up honest with each other. We were wrong that entire episode on Monday. Just wipe it clean. It never happened. It never existed. I mean, except it's on the internet, which means it can't really... I mean, we could technically take it down, and I don't think the guys on 12 Ounce Sports will take it down because it was kind of funny. There were a couple of funny little bits, but the thing is, is that, well, I didn't quite expect... Well, I, I thought I'd be saying, all right, this is how this series ended, this series ended, this series ended, this series ended. But all of a sudden, Card is like, we can win a couple games here. Flyers are like, we can stay alive. Canucks are like, these kids are young, but it's not their bedtime yet. I know it's kind of a dumb joke, but I used it anyways. What you going to do? So we'll get to all the playoff stuff later. Let's talk about some news outside the bubble first. Number one news of, well, not the number one news. First order of business, Bill Zito hired as the new general manager of the Florida Panthers. This position, of course, that was relieved from Dale Talon right shortly after the Florida Panthers were eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs after the qualifying round loss to the New York Islanders. And I'm interested to see what's going to happen here because don't forget, this is Bill Zito. He has been working under Yarma Kekalainen in Columbus for the past seven seasons. This could be a kind of a new start. And you always wonder how the first couple of years goes for these guys that go from assistant GMs to general managers and not hockey players either. Billy Guerin, he's doing some things in Minnesota. All right, you know, give him some time there. But it's guys like Bill Zito. And, you know, of course, you have guys like Kevin Adams up in Buffalo and amongst other guys that are going to be getting jobs this upcoming summer. You almost want to know. You're, and remember, I remember when Jim Nill went from Detroit to Dallas, his first few seasons. They were interesting because you would see a lot of what, in Jim Nill's case, what Kenny Holland would do because, well, Jim worked with Ken. They worked, they worked very cohesively well together. And I wonder now what Bill Zito's going to do down in Florida. Obviously, a lot of moves need to be made if the Panthers want to make that next step at least in personnel-wise, player-wise, in order to become a team that doesn't make the playoffs based on the fact that there's an expanded playoff. They want to be able to be in that top eight in the Western Conference, at least get there. So you may I don't want to say you're going to see similar moves, similar thinking like Kekalina was, but obviously he saw what Kekalina was able to do. And, you know, despite obviously going for it last year, I don't think Bill Zito's going to be like, you know what? We're losing a bunch of guys to free agents and stuff like that. We're going to go for it, even though Florida hasn't won a thing. I was one year old when they were in the finals in 96, so since then probably. They have not won a playoff series since then. But they've won two division titles. People forget that. They've won, they were a division champ in 2012 and lost to the upstart New Jersey Devils, who ended up going to the Stanley Cup final. And then they lost in 2016 after winning the Atlantic Division as they lost to John Tavares, just John Tavares, not not Tomas Grice, no one else on that team. The Islanders didn't exist then. But, yeah, remember Jack Capiano? But I'm interested to see how that's going to do, see if Florida can maybe turn one for the better. Now, some of the other news, the big transaction that happened. Obviously, we had a couple signings coming out of Los Angeles. We had Carl Grunstrom getting signed, Austin Wagner. Jake Allen, though, this is intriguing. I'm not going to take, I don't want to take too long on this. Obviously, only an hour show, and the last half of our show is me previewing tonight's action. I, I, you know, I'm indifferent about this move, guys, because here's the, here's what I see. I see first, okay, 
getting a better backup goaltender in Montreal. That's perfect because let's be honest, Charlie Lindgren isn't a guy that you're going to want. I mean, he's good, but he's not that good. Keith Kincaid was an absolute joke. And Jake Allen has shown since coming on board, or at least the way he played towards the end of that series against Vancouver, that he still has some left in him. Here is the problem we are experiencing, though, at this time. Let me make sure I have my math right here. $14.85 million between two goaltenders next year for the Montreal Canadiens. Hey, that's not good. That's a lot of money. And I know I keep referencing the Kari Lettinen and the Antiniemi duo in Dallas that absolutely just went down the toilet. But here's the thing, guys. That was only like $10 million. This is almost $15 million, which, by the way, guys, flat cap, that's a good chunk of your team's salary. And you have guys like Max Domi. We'll get to that in a second. We'll have Dale Weiss, and I know Dale Weiss probably take a pay cut. He is a UFA. Charles Houdon, who hasn't didn't play a whole big role, but he's an RFA with arbitration rights. Christian Follin, he, he may be on his way out. Victor Mete, he played a big role this season for the Canadians. Xavier Roulette, arbitration rights. Uh, we'll see how that goes because he was he played played kind of a big role in that in the qualifying round and leading into that first round series for the Montreal Canadiens. I don't know if he's got a big pay grade. He's making league men right now at seven hundred grand. But the point is, is that you're going to be paying fifteen million dollars when you have to sign all these players. The projected cap space right now, with those omissions aside, with Jake Allen's contract insert. I'm using my friends at catfriendly.com. Seems like I've been forever since I've seen you, old friend. 14, a little over $14 million in cap space. And obviously you have to sign guys to minor league contracts as well. Guys like Ryan Paling, who I, Ryan Paling's got one more year. Excuse me. I was wrong. I was looking at Jake Evans, who played a lot of minutes in the playoffs for the Montreal Canadiens. You have, I'm pretty sure I'm looking at my numbers right now. Cockney is currently listed as a non-roster forward, but he'll be there for sure. Belzeal's got another year. So there's not too many guys that the Canadians, I mean, Aaron Luchuk, I don't know if you're going to want to bring him back, but obviously Kincaid will be out the door. Michael McNevin may be going back down to the ECHL. You have Caden Primo, and then probably Charlie Lindgren will fall back as Lindgren has one more year on his $750,000 contract. It's going to be interesting to see how this works. And by the way, Montreal, in return from the St. Louis Blues, received, pardon me, St. Louis received Washington's third-round pick that the Canadians acquired from, I believe that was the Ilya Kovalchuk trade, and the Chicago seventh-round pick that they acquired as well. I, let's see the trade history here. Can it come up for me? It does not let me click the picks. Dang it. Oh, well. I mean, I know there's a way, but I did, forgot to do it beforehand. But regardless, looking at the personnel choice here, it, if it works, Mark Bergevin's a genius. Because obviously he's going for it here, guys. You don't just bring on a $4.5 million goaltender without having you know, intention of having him play well so Carey Price doesn't have to play 70 games so your team can be successful. Now, if this all goes wrong and Jake Allen has like a 4.0 goals against average and an 870 save percentage... Bird's Van's just going to be like, well, I did my time here. I'm going to go do some wrist curls in that corner over there. Y'all see you later. Well, he'd probably say it in some other way, but you know what I mean. So, I I mean, I hope it works out, but boy, this is a gamble by Montreal. So, we'll see how that goes there. 
The other news out of Montreal. The one that everyone's so happy to talk about here. Max Domi. He found a new agent. It is Darren Ferris. Oh boy. Oh boy. As Mickey Mouse would say, this could go south hard because he's an RFA, guys. And let me make sure here on the cat friendly. Does he have arbitration rights? He's got arbitration rights. Boy, oh, he's got arbitration eligible. Boy, let me tell you. I, I like to think of the fact that, you know, this is a, <laughs> he's a good hockey player, Max Domi. Boy, that's gonna, he's making 315 right now. And I just, yikes, that's, that's gonna be a, an interesting negotiation. Cause don't forget Darren Ferris, who is still talk, working with Taylor Hall is going to have himself a busy summer. Taylor Hall, Mitch Marner, Andreas, Anthony Sioux, Sammy Bennett, Sammy Nieto, Josh Anderson, Zach Bogosian. Those are just a few of the players. I think Philip Zadina is also a client of Darren Ferris. And by the way, apparently Taylor Hall is actually open to listening. At least Taylor Hall camp is listening, what I've read across the social medias and all my insiders and all my guys that they're telling me. they Taylor Hall is open to hearing from the Coyotes, but he still wants to test the free agent water. So that'll be interesting. Boy, is Mark Bergevin going to have to try to flex, and I mean literally flex, onto Darren Ferris because this we saw with Mitch Marner something, guys. We saw that Darren Ferris is looking to make sure that his guy gets every dollar that he can get. This is going to be a lot of money. But, well, I mean, that's the kind of stuff we'll all talk about later, later in the offseason with Alex. We'll definitely focus on that. Now, let's get to the playoffs. Boy, oh, boy. Tampa beating Boston. The Bolts beat Boston, as I do my Alex inclination there. They win game five in double overtime on Monday night. Victor Hedman's goal. He's, oh, man, what a what a guy. I think, believe that's his third goal of the series as well. Victor Hedman, or I think it was fourth, actually, excuse me. This game was so interesting because, of course, we had it on live while we were doing the Cule show on Monday night here on 12 Ounce Sports. Andre Palat scores, which I remember losing my mind about. And then we go off the air. David Pasternak ties it up on the power play. And it was 1-1 going in the third period. I'm like, okay, this game may go to overtime. But then Sorelli puts a deflection in. And all of a sudden, it's 2-1. Here we go. And then all of a sudden, it's just like he always would. David Krejci scores for the Bruins. And I'm like, great. This series is going to get extended to six games and blah, blah, blah. Because let's be honest. For the majority of the hockey game, it was Boston Bruins hockey. Boston Bruins were controlling the play. The fact that Palat got a chance and and Sorelli got a lucky deflection. Other than that, it was all Boston. Andre Vasilevsky stopped 45 of the 46 shots he faced on Monday night. 15 in the second period. 11 in the first overtime. Boston was looking to get this game done in the first 20 minutes because they know Tampa can, apparently Tampa can win in five overtimes. They were looking strong. They were getting chances. But just for some reason, something after that first overtime. I mean, Vasilevsky made a couple of big saves in that overtime. But you didn't think that the Bruins were just going to give up. That second overtime, I mean, I hate to be completely, you know, make a severe dad joke here and be, you know, punny about this. But there was some electricity and a jolt of lightning going to the Tampa Bay dressing room before that second overtime because they came out flying. 7-1 were the shots before Hedman's goal. And this is a hockey club. I can't wait to do our conference final preview on Monday 
because this is going to be a hockey team. This is a team that's le- that has learned to win. Whoever they go up against, whether it be the Islanders and the Flyers, how can you pick against the Lightning? I, I, I mean, listen, Barry, I mean, just doing a quick look here. Flyers are very inexperienced, and Barry Trotz is a great coach. Yeah, but this Tampa team, they're ready to win. They're ready to win, and they're ready to win now. This is a, but I say this, and I knock on wood when I say this, and I put my money down. This team looks better than the 2018 Lightning that lost in the conference finals to the eventual champion Washington Capitals. That's how good this Tampa team looks now. I was a little skeptical. I was a little skeptical going to the Blue Jackets series. I get it. Columbus won. They beat them last year. I'm like, all right, they're not going to win. Tampa's going to lose in five. But then all of a sudden, here come the Bolts. They beat up Columbus. Tortorella, psh, pish posh. All right, who are we going up against? The Bruins. Oh, this is playoff hockey. Bruins hockey. Pish posh. Five games. I'm not saying they're going to win their next series in five games, but put up a wall in front of them. They're going to go right through it. I mean, I mean, you look at guys like Braden Point. He's going. He's over double digits, over 20 points in these playoffs. Kevin, or almost 20 points, excuse me. Kevin Shattenkirk with two more points. Kevin Shattenkirk, a guy that's making a buck and a half right now. He, all of a sudden, he's proving that, hey, guys, I am a good quality defenseman again because let's be honest, who knew that he could still play? And, of course, Victor Hedman, he had an assist early in the game, so he gets two points as well in Game 5. This Tampa team is ready to go, and they're going to be really good going down the stretch. Let's talk about last night's game between Colorado and Dallas. The only game on the schedule. And we'll quick run back here because we'll, we obviously didn't get the chance to talk about Game 5 where the Avs almost blew it after going up 5-0. They win that game 6-3. Mike Hutchinson gets the start. Michael Hutchinson, who was started the season with the Toronto Maple Leafs, got excommunicated because he was not playing well. Then again, the team in front of him was just garbage as well. But 5 nothing lead for the Avs. Four goals on Ben Bishop, who's now deemed unfit to play. And that's why, of course, Hutchinson got the start because Pavel Francouz was deemed unfit to play. Hutchinson looks good. 18 in the third period. 18 saves, I mean, in the third period. 31 in the win. Yeah, the three goals, I don't give him a... I'm not going to go on him too hard about those. It's his first playoff start ever. But McKinnon scores. Pierre Benner, Belmar, Kadri. McKinnon and Kadri each have eight goals. Miko Rantanen has six. Andre Burakovsky scored twice in that game, giving him six on the playoffs, going into game six. And the Dallas Stars in game six were like, all right, that first period never happened in game five. Let's go! Because they came out buzzing. And, oh, man. It's it's so funny because Hutchinson makes that great save in the first period, and you're just thinking, wow, Hutchinson's on fire. Look at Hutchie go. This was the Hutchie that we saw when he was playing with the Winnipeg Jets. Not the, I mean, not consistently, but he had his moments with the Jets that he proved before Hallibuck took the job from him, he could have been an NHL goaltender. And then all of a sudden, Miro Heiskin with a shot that just kind of squeaked by him. And yeah, Nathan McKinnon's stick was there. And I don't, I'm not quite sure if I'm going to, I mean, the, the thing was, I tweeted out, I, I tweeted Hutchie. I'm like, all right, Hutchie, because I see the save. I'm like, wow, where was this when you're playing for the Leafs? And then he gives up the goal. I'm like, well, this is the Hutchinson we remember. The one that, but then you watch the replay back, and I'll give him benefit of the doubt. There was a stick there, and as a goaltender myself, when I see a stick in the way, guess what? It may not seem like a lot, but it does affect the track, affect you tracking a shot from a, even you know, the top of the circle. You think there's plenty of time. Deflection, you may not get a clean look at it because goaltender time here, goaltender talk. When you watch a guy's shot, you can tell where the blade is pointing. You don't need to look at the shooter's eyes. You can if you want. But you're looking at the guy's blade, and you can tell if it's going to go glove, it's going to go blocker, five hole, within the frame of your body, going wide. You can tell based on the blade of the stick when he shoots it. 
as soon as another stick or somehow something else gets in the way of your line of sight, all of a sudden, I'm not saying chaos ensues, but you just kind of forget what's going on. You just have to all of a sudden react because it's not quite a deflection, but it's a harder to read shot. Not necessarily a big fat screenshot, but it makes it a little difficult. And here, Heiskanen can shoot the puck. Let's not let's not lie about that. So I mean, it's a kind of a fluky looking goal. So Stars take the one nothing later. Like man, that's the goal. That's gonna be the dagger right there. Well, no, not really, because all of a sudden JT Comper and Tyson Joseph go. Because that they just go in on the four check later and they just bash the bodies down low. Joe goes harder than that, gets bumped into Hugh Dobin. Zadorov just like, yeah, and here's a shot towards the goal. Just a little blueberry muffin on goal. Hugh Dobin gets bumped into by Joe's, but Joe's was directed by the defenseman. So the goal stands. We're tied at one. Okay, this is looking good. But then all of a sudden, we go into the second period. And here comes Kale McCarr down the middle. Gets the puck, shoots, and scores. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr, who is still looking like he had the big fat goat horns after just pretty much just giving Dallas the game in game four. Or game, yeah, game four. I almost got my games mixed up. Big goal for him. That's his fourth of the playoffs. And then things, uh, well, it almost turned bad because Gabriel Landeskog all of a sudden got his knee. Almost looked like it got sliced open by Kale McCarr's skate of all people. Talk about a tough series for that kid. He leaves the game, and everyone's like, wow, this... This may be bad if your captain can't play. Now, I'm not saying Gabriel Landeskog is the play leader. He's obviously the leader in the dressing room. He wears the C on his chest. He is a big part of this hockey club. Did come back, though, in the third period. Did return to the bench, at least in the third period. And the way that game was going, I you were almost certain. You were almost certain that somehow Columbus, Dallas was going to come back because Hutchinson... I mean, I mean he, had, he had a big first period. Made 13 saves. Obviously gave up the one goal. But or excuse me, made 12 saves in the first period. And you know, he was looking good. Everything was going seemingly well for the most part. And he just looked consistent. 27 saves for Hutchinson in the game, only nine in the third period, because it seems like Colorado was able to just shut Dallas down. They get a nice feed from Nathan McKinnon to Miko Rantanen. Oh, that sauce. Holy cow. That sauce by Miko Rantanen. Or that sauce by the finish by Ranton and McKinnon, his 16th assist of these playoffs. He leads all forwards right now with 25 points. Now, it's not quite not quite Wayne Gretzky numbers, but boy. I mean, we always look over at and point at Connor McDavid and say, that's the next guy right there. Is Nathan McKinnon, guys, ready for this? I know this is crazy. I may sound dumb. I may sound like a little bit of a loony. Is Nathan McKinnon this generation's Mario Lemieux? Think about it for a second. Think about the fact that possibly that Nathan McKinnon, gifted skater, big physical presence, right-handed shot, and can shoot the puck like the Dickens. Just a fantastic player. He's a natural athlete and is able to show why he's one of the best. And he's been that way since his entire career. And similar to Mario Lemieux, Started off on a pretty bad team. Now, yes, that first year they made it to the first round but got beat by Minnesota. But after that, it just went, it just went downhill pretty quickly. But think of it this way. He's so gifted, and he's proven him to be a big-time player, the leader of this hockey club without being the captain. Is he this generation's Mario Lemieux to Connor McDavid's Moyne Gretzky? 
I already mentioned how Miro Heiskin was like Bobby Orr. I mean, I don't know if I can go that far with him, but yeah, I wonder. I wonder, guys. All we need now is a Canada Cup now. Miko or Miko Rantanen. I keep saying Miko Rantanen. Nathan McKinnon and Connor McDavid. Guys. They were on North America together, Team North America. Nathan McKinnon, remember how he just dangled Henrik Lundqvist's jockstrap off at the ACC at the time? Just, bam, and they beat Sweden. And Connor McDavid was on that team, and that team was sick. They almost did it. Their goaltending didn't suck because they had Matt Murray and John Gibson. I mean, yes, John Gibson made the one save in overtime. Anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Big win. Of course, then they have McKinnon getting himself the empty netter. They get the 4-1 win, a little bit of a kerfuffle after the goal between Janmark and Zadorov, whatever. Who cares? Game 7 tomorrow night. Has the time been announced yet? Let me just make sure here. Nope. Time is still yet to be determined for a, for Game 7. Now, obviously, I think they're waiting for the Vancouver-Vegas game tonight because their Game 7 would be tomorrow as well. But I, the seed of doubt's there in Dallas. That's, I think, what we got to realize. The seed of doubt is there. Because they were playing so well at the beginning of the series. They were controlling the Avalanche. An Avalanche team that was just out of this atmosphere with their offense and their ability to control the play, not just in the round robin, but in that first round against Arizona. And Dallas was looking good. They were looking calm and confident. But all of a sudden, the Avalanche offense gets going. And now they're playing good defense as well. They played a much more structured hockey game. I think they really almost, they really almost gave up that game five. They looked a lot more comfortable, a lot more composed, and were able to take advantage of their opportunities. And my goodness, guys, can Michael Hutchinson, I am saying this, this is 2020, and in October of 2019, if you came up to me and said, hey, what if Michael Hutchinson was going to steal a series? And I'm like, what happened to Freddie? Because at the time, yes, he played for the Leafs, but no one would expect it because Hutchinson's not a starting goaltender. But yet here he is, back-to-back wins, looking good. I, I mean, I don't think. I mean, Hudoba didn't play a bad game. I'm, I don't look. At, I don't look at any of those goals are his fault. I just, uh, this is going to be. I don't want to make a prediction because game sevens are dumb. Game sevens are so dumb that you don't know what's going to happen. But I'll tell you this: the ABS are feeling good. They're feeling confident. And if Dallas does not figure out a way to stop the offense and be able to take advantage of chances and beat Michael Hutchinson, which everyone seemed to have been able to do earlier in the, earlier in the regular season. Dallas may be one of the big can't or big miss stories. Similar to last year, they had the chance to knock off the blues. The team that ended up going on to win the cup only fell in game seven. Is it going to be deja vu for Dallas or will Dallas pull off the, I'd say, I'd say the upset at this point. Can they pull it off and move on? We'll have to wait and see. Like I said, game seven tomorrow night, Time yet to be determined. We'll see. They'll probably play the earlier of the two games if Vancouver and Vegas goes to over, goes to a game seven. We will talk about that game for sure here on the Kuehl Show. We'll talk about those two games that are coming up tonight. After this quick break, we're gonna take. We're, I'm gonna jump on Instagram Live here as well. We'll do a little dual, a little bit of a dual work here because I mean, make it a little interesting because. I want I want to want to have some fun. Want to be able to reach out to the social media people, hear you on 12 Ounce Sports. So we're gonna do a little 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 multi-screen, if you will. We'll be back with more of the Kuehl Show here on 12 Ounce Sports right after this. And welcome back, everyone, to the Kuehl Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. Quick shift edition of hashtag TKS here on this Thursday. 
September the 3rd. Thank you all very much for tuning in on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Zingo TV channel 761. And for all of you viewing here on Instagram, I'm going Instagram live. I'm doing double take here. I probably should have put this over there, but you know what? I don't think they'd be able to hear me because I already have the mic going into the laptop. I can't have the mic going into the phone here. So if you're tuning in, no matter where you're at, no matter which part of the room I'm on, I'm, then again, I pretty much look over to the walls half the time anyways. But let's get to the nitty-gritty of the show here tonight. We have two big games, two big game sixes here between the... Let's see what I see here. Oh, boy, we got some news here. So first, let's start off with the Philadelphia Flyers and the New York Islanders. That puck drop here will be in less than 26 minutes. I see 6.34, so 25 minutes from now. Elliot Friedman just tweeting out today, Sean Couturier, or just 15 seconds ago, Sean Couturier is not on the ice for warmups for the Philadelphia Flyers. Matthew Barzell is. These two guys were both questionable coming into the contest today because for the most part, I mean, they looked pretty calm, but Couturier went down a little bit awkwardly in game five. Barzell wasn't looking his best either. And this really changes the games here in a scary bandage over Matthew Barzell's right eye. Cause he did get clipped with a, was it a stick or a puck in game five? I can't quite remember, but this could really make things interesting for these, for this game six coming up here in less than half an hour. And first of all, we should only talk about the reason why there's a game six here tonight. The Flyers winning game five in overtime, a 4-3 win over the Islanders. And a Flyers offense, for the most part, that has been missing out the entire time. They, The big guns, you know, Giroux, Voracek, Konechny, those guys have been quiet all postseason long. Or not all postseason long, but they have not been as effective as they could be for the Philadelphia Flyers. But they came ready to play. They came, they came out, they came out flying. Yeah, I did that. I did the dad joke. There it is. Out shooting the Islanders 11 to four in the first period. No goals though, but they're still playing well. Matthew Barzell, the gentleman that's going to be in the lineup tonight for the Islanders scores first. However, the Flyers answer quickly back with goals from of all people, Claude Giroux. And then how about this? James Van Riemsdyk. Yes, he still exists. James Van Riemsdyk getting the goal, putting the Flyers ahead, and then Matt Niskanen early in period three with an absolute bomb of a shot, making it a 3-1 game. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh boy, they got a chance to do this. The Flyers could force a game six. They could stay alive. Carter Hart could stay alive. Carter Hart's dream. And then all of a sudden, hey, Paul Loudon, how you doing today, sir? I will tell you, I was not going to expect the Islanders to do it again. Remember how the Islanders came back in Philadelphia's game to win from 3 nothing down to 4 to make the game a little bit interesting. Well, guess what? He did it again. They or The Islanders did it again. This time, goals from Brock Nelson and Broussard. I want to play by Cal Clutterbuck to set up the goal. Cal Clutterbuck with a nice finesse move in order to set it up. Boy, that was a nice little play there. I mean, all, I mean watching that was honestly painful because the Philadelphia Flyers, are they're a team that you want at this point to win. But the Islanders have been so good this postseason. Gosh, that team has just been really, really good at times. The Islanders and the way they're able to recover. And so, but the game then goes to overtime. And then all of a sudden, I sh- you know, here comes Ivan Provorov. Provorov, who, by the way, is just severely underrated at times. And I say that in the nicest way possible because not enough people are talking about him. 
I remember when his contract was coming around and they were like, okay, where is he going to, is he going to sign is, you know, cause he's going to be an RFA. He's proven that he can be a top guy in this, you know, in this league, top defenseman t- for sure. And he just walks the line very casually and throws one towards the goal. And you always say it, co- you know, kids out there watching, I'm gonna do my Don Cherry thing. Kids out there, let me tell you, what do they always tell you in practice? Get pucks to the net. Good things happen. Keep your stick on the ice. Well, this time, Scott Lawton's stick was not on the ice, but it was at the right height. Deflects it over the glove of Simeon Varlamov. Scott Lawton's first goal since the round robin. We all talked about how great his round robin was. Five points for Lawton. Hasn't scored since. He's been pretty darn quiet for the last, what is it now? It'll be six games. So 11 games. 11 games, and I think that's 12. He had a 12 game point goalless streak because he only had goals in the first two games of the round robin. He looked so, it just, and it was, you could tell it was exciting because the team got the win. They got the win, and all of a sudden there's new life in this series. All of a sudden there could be a game seven on Saturday, but they obviously need to win tonight. Now, I don't, this is another season, another game, another series that if I say something, I'm going to be wrong. Because now the Flyers have inserted that little seated out in the New York Islanders. Here's the difference, though, between last year's Islanders team and this year's. A lot more experience. Matthew Barzell last year, obviously in the lineup tonight, like I said, that was his first playoff experience. Brock Nelson, Anders Lee as a captain of the Islanders. Those were like really coming out parties for them. Like, hey, we beat Pittsburgh. All right, we're in the second round. Yeah, we got swept, but darn it, we got there. We proved that we belong. And all of a sudden, here they are, one win away from the conference finals. The last time, guys, I know if you've been following on Twitter, if you've been watching the games, they have not made it to the conference finals since they beat Mario Lemieux's Pittsburgh Penguins in 1993. Remember Ray Ferraro was on that team. Glenn Healy was the goaltender for that team. A team that had no business being there, beating Tom Barrasso in overtime of all games. You know, it's it's incredibly interesting because Carter Hart, he looked a lot better in that game. A couple of squeakers still. He's still a young guy. Carter Hart is still a young kid. But I feel like if he continues to just progress, and I think if he just stays focused in this game six tonight, he'll play well. If the Flyers can ride off that game or the momentum they can get off that overtime win, because overtime wins are so huge in a series like this, where any win can really change momentum. I don't know if it's going to be enough, though. The Islanders are well-coached in Barry Trotz. They have a very veteran group. They have guys in the back end that can play tough, guys like Komarov, Martin, Clutterbuck. We talk about those guys a lot, like, you know, we're just, no pun intended, pounding it in because that's what they do. They're physical guys. But that experience carries teams deeper into the playoffs. Now, I, but you say, Tyler, what about Pittsburgh and Chicago? Well, listen. The hockey gods are funny. Hockey is a funny sport. But right now, in game six tonight, one game, you got to go with the veterans. I did, yes, I did say the Islanders were going to win on Tuesday night. I'd, or I said maybe Philly was going to win. Maybe I'll be previewing it tonight. But I had a really good feeling the Islanders were going to win, especially when they sent the game to overtime. Like, oh, boy, here comes a awful shot from Ryan Pollock from the point that's going to go off Brock Nelson's leg off Philippe Meyer's leg, off Carter Hart's stick, and in the back of the net, and that's how you end the series. That's how I thought this series was going to end, in my mind at least, because I just I expect the worst to happen. It, it, it's in my nature. I'm a, goal, I'm a goaltender all the time. 
If I don't see a shot, only bad things can happen. So with that, I'm going with the Islanders tonight. I just feel like if, I mean, if it goes to game seven, Philadelphia won all the way. Philadelphia's going to win game seven. If the Islanders don't end it tonight, Flyers will move on. But I feel like the Islanders, veteran coach, veteran goaltender, veteran team in general, gets the win tonight. They punch their ticket to Edmonton to go on to the conference final for the first time in 27 years. Boy, at least they wear the sweaters they used to back in the day, back in 1993. I'm interested to see how it's going to go, though. I I can't say who's going to play better. I feel like Hart's going to have a good game. Varlamov's going to have to have a great game, though. And I'm not going to point the goal, any of the goals at Varlamov. Similar with Hudobin from last night against between Colorado and Dallas. I'm not going to point the finger at the goaltender for the loss. I will point the finger if Varlamov does allow a squeaker tonight because I... You know, you see it all the time. If Varlamov makes a big save, watch the next few because that'll determine where his confidence level is at. Because sometimes you make a big save and you get a little ahead of yourself and then you allow a squeaker, similar to what happened to Michael Hutchinson last night. So right now I'm giving the edge to the Islanders. Islanders, oh, heck, I'll I'll, I'll just make up a score. We'll go Islanders 4-2. Flyers will score first. Islanders three in a row in the second. Flyers make it close in the third, but an empty netter by Brock Nelson. We'll end it. There we go. There's my prediction for the night. If I'm right, boy, this thing is going to get plastered all over the social media. I can tell you right now. The other series that has a game six tonight, a series that a lot of people still, despite the way this the lower seed played in the first round against the defending Stanley Cup champions, didn't think this series was going to go six the way it started. But yet tonight, Vegas trying to clinch once again against the Vancouver Canucks. And wow, this, this was a game, a game five I'm talking about here. This, I didn't think this was going to happen because Jacob Markstrom, all of a sudden he's deemed unfit to play. And I have my whole theory about this unfit to play thing, but I can't finish it in about, what, 16 minutes now here on the Keel Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. I have this whole thing about the unfit to play deal and why all of a sudden guys play one night but can't play the next. I have theories. Yet... I did not think Thatcher Demko could do that. I don't think Thatcher Demko could have been any better. I don't think he could have been better than Markstrom. I said Markstrom's the veteran here. I, 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 like I said, Demko is a good goaltender. He is a Mike Richter award winner at Boston College. Yet, I didn't see him as a guy that could steal the show. I still believe that Mikey DiPietro could jump him. That was... Until Tuesday night, when Thatcher Demko decided, I'm just going to stop 42 shots, play pretty solid for my first ever playoff experience, and get the win. He's the first rookie goaltender to do this since it was a Jose Tador, Jose Tador in 1997 to win his first playoff start in an elimination game or an elimination possible game. I, you know. It's, you know, it's a 2-1 win, and you think, oh, it's not an exciting game at all. You know, Thatcher Demko, analyzed performance. By the way, Shea Theodore is the only goal scorer, his fifth of the playoffs for the Knights, the only goal that Thatcher Demko gave up. He looked so comfortable. Ten saves in the first period. 18 in the second period, another 15 in the third. 
here is what my take is. I've been trying to figure out how I want to describe this and analyze it because I watch the game and you look at it and you don't, except for maybe a couple of chances, there was Alex Martinez's one-timer in the third and then a couple saves with the net empty. Demko was looking really good. Demko was looking confident. He was looking calm. But watch the first period. I didn't see a whole lot of chances, at least a lot of dangerous chances by the Vegas Golden Knights. Because imagine if you're behind the bench, if you are Pete DeBoer going into game five, hey, they're starting the kid tonight. Thatcher Demko is getting the call. Get pucks on him. Get pucks on him. Get pucks on him. Because when you see a kid that's really has never been in a situation before, you want to test him. Remember John Gibson a few years ago? They just fired everything at him. I don't remember who was in that series against him now, but he was phenomenal because he had a lot of shots against him. It looks good. Yet he was so calm because as a goaltender, they say put pucks on you because you could be very timid. You could be very you know uptight, and you're not able to make the same kind of saves you allow may allow a couple of soft goals. Demko didn't do that, and they kept shooting and shooting and shooting. And I tell you this, getting pucks on a kid... Getting pucks on net, any no shots, a bad shot, is a great idea for the first 10 to 15 shots. After that, you got to start putting better chances together because a goaltender can get in such a rhythm over a game like this. That's why, when, and listen, I say this because, oh, but Tyler, you're doing a podcast now. You're a broadcaster. How could you say you ever had good games? Listen, I played better when I had more shots against me. I remember we had a game against the league champions when I was in Lucknow. We got outshot 62 to 24, and we won in a shootout. I only allowed three goals that game. The next week, we go play one of the worst teams in the league, just above us in the standings. I think there was maybe 26 shots against me. We lost like 6-5. You, when you get in a rhythm like that, hi, Mom, how are you? When you play a game like that, for when you get into a rhythm as a goaltender, you're able to make the game look easy. And that's what Demko did. Like I said, he had a couple of big saves he had to make in the third period when the Canucks were up by one. And that really is the telltale sign of how good a goaltender can be. How confident a goaltender can be. Because I don't think I've ever seen a guy just come into a game, come into a situation where it seems like there's no chance for him to even you know, even succeed because teams against elimination against a team that's probably going to represent the Western conference in the Stanley cup finals and puts on a great show. Only 17 shots for the Canucks, but you know, they were able to get it done. JT Miller, great feed to Brock Besser. Brock Besser tips it in 27 seconds, by the way, after Shea Theodore's goal in the second period. And then Elias Pedersen with a great tip off a beautiful shot by Brock Besser. Pedersen's seventh goal of the playoffs ends up being the game winning goal. Team is looking good. By the way, good little stat here I heard on the broadcast. The last six goals the Vancouver Canucks have scored have had JT Miller's name attached to it. It's pretty good, guys. And I, as I look, let me look up the stats here. See if I can find him. JT Miller right now is tied for tied for sixth in playoff points. I had to make sure I get there. Right, tied for sixth with sixteen points, tied with Nazem Kadri and Nikita Kucherov. Both guys that are still in the playoffs. Well, I mean, Kutrov's moving on, but will Nazem Kadri move on? Will JT Miller move on? He's going to need a big game tonight, obviously, will JT Miller. Elias Pettersson tied for fourth with Braden Point with 18 points in these playoffs. And, oh, by the way, Mika Ranton has 20 points in these playoffs. Forgot to mention that before the break for the Colorado Avalanche. 
I let me tell you guys. I'm not saying it's hard to look at this game and tell you, you know, Vancouver can come back and win. They can force it. But I don't know. As of right now, let's see. I'm looking up to see if are they going to start. As of right now, they haven't said who they're going to start yet. That's great. That's great. Just leave me in the dark, why don't you? I'm trying to figure out where... I'm looking up at all my insiders. Obviously, a lot of the insiders, their focus is on the Islanders and Flyers game that's going to start in a little over 10 minutes on NBCSN, CBC, and Tivas. But I am curious to see... Am I right on the saves? Sorry, someone said that... All of a sudden, it said 43 saves. Let me check something here. I thought it was 42. Yep, 42. So the NHL initially tweeted 43 saves, but they must have taken one back away or something because sometimes they do that. It's a little... The NHL statistics, folks, are a little bit weird at times. Yet, uh, I mean, not like Leonard played bad when you don't get that many chances and both shots were tipped in against him. 15 saves for Robin Leonard. This this game, guys, is going to be incredibly intriguing to watch. I'm staying up for it. Then again, I don't have work in the morning, so it's easy for me to stay up for a game like this. Let me check to see, because on the goal by Brock Besser, Quinn Hughes picked up his 13th assist in these playoffs. Let's see if I can find more filters. Let's go to rookies in these playoffs. Right now, Kale McCarr leads with 15 points. Quinn Hughes, one goal, 13 assists, tied for second with Dennis Garyanov of the Dallas Stars. Each of them have 14 points. Garyanov leads all rookies win goals with eight. So I try to make sure I get that right because Quinn Hughes is another guy that's having a great playoff as well. Another great rookie. Obviously, Kale McCarr is the poster boy and the inevitable Calder Trophy winner. I don't, I listen, I love Quinn Hughes. He looked a lot better in the game the other night, but it's Kale McCarr. Back to this game six here tonight. 945 puck drop between the Knights and the Canucks. I still buy by my pick that it's going to be the Knights. I don't remember exactly what my pick was. I There's still no talk of who's going to start. Obviously, everyone, and I'm sure a lot of Canucks fans will agree with me, want Demko to play. You ride the hot hand. If he plays well in the in one game, why would you take him out the next? Now, I say that, obviously, because even though the Islanders did that with Thomas Grice in game four, I get it. They went back with Varlamov in game five. But I don't think it's going to be a thing where all of a sudden you're going to have Var- or Dem- or Demko Grice starting game six tonight. It's going to be Varlamov against Carter Hart. But I, I'm, I'm incredibly intriguing. It's intriguing to me to see who could, who could be the guy. I'm looking. I'm sorry. Oh, unless Darren Dreger is actually confirming this. Darren Dreger tweeted at, right at the top of the show at 6 o'clock saying Demko versus Leonard. And yep, Demko is expected to start. TSN confirms it. Demko expected to start for the Canucks tonight. Oh boy! Isn't this going to be fun? Leonard versus Demko and listen, if all the negative, not to say negatory things, I haven't said anything like personally bad about Demko but all of this, the doubt that I've had about Demko's career, 
all of the, he's not going to be good enough. He was a great goaltender. He may be get as good as Ryan Miller at some point in his career, but I don't think he's going to be that good. All of that can change tonight. If he forces a game seven, if he plays phenomenal like he did in game five, Demko is all of a sudden the number one goaltender. He's all of a sudden Yaroslav Halak from 2010. I know it's still an old reference from 10 years ago, but I'm going with it. All of a sudden, he's the starting goaltender. Because guess what? If he loses, season's over. So it doesn't matter anyways. There is no tomorrow. Except if they if, except if they win, there will be a game seven tomorrow night. So there is. Oh, oh, no. You wouldn't do that if, you, if, if you're Travis Green. We're going to go with the rookie goaltender night. We got a second half of back-to-back. So in game seven, we're going to play Markstrom. He's not going to do that. Travis Green, I, he's obviously this is his first playoffs behind the bench of the Vancouver Canucks. He's not going to do anything that crazy. So we'll have to wait and see. I know I made a pick on the Islanders and Flyers. Oh, man. I, 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 I just... This hurts because I don't know who I want to pick in this one. I want the Canucks. I love the underdog, but the Knights are my pick. You know what? Screw it. Two game sevens tomorrow night. Canucks win tonight. Knock on wood. Canucks 3-2. Triple overtime. We're going to be up till 2 in the morning. Who's going to score? Tyler Mott. <laughs> because why not? It'll be triple overtime. Who cares? Tyler Mott's going to score the game-winning goal in overtime. Triple overtime for the Vancouver Canucks. It'll be a game 7 tomorrow night. Vegas will win that one, though. I'm sorry. Vegas is going to win. And I'm pretty sure. Hold on here. Let me see if I can quickly run back through. I have a couple minutes here on the Kula Show here on 12 on Sports before we hit up the Profits on 12-ounce sports coming up here at 7 o'clock. They'll be talking about the NBA playoffs. Let me see. I did pick the Knights in 7. Let's go! Knights in 7! I'm going to be right. I think Alex picked Knights in 5, so he's already wrong. And I mean, him and I are both wrong because I picked the Bruins in 4. Alex picked Bruins in 5. He picked Flyers in 6. I picked Flyers in 7. Even though the Islanders are going to win the series now, I still have a chance to be right here, guys. But... That is it for this episode of The Kewl Show here on 12 on Sports. Quick shift edition. We'll be back Monday with Alex to talk about more great hockey talk. We'll be previewing the conference finals. May have some guests for that one. Stay tuned for us and follow us on social media. Use the hashtag TCAS when we talk about today's episode at The Kewl Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We will certainly be interested to see what's going to happen. How many Game 7s are we going to have? Will it be one? Will it be all three? We'll have to wait and see. I'm Tyler E. Nope, nope. I ruined it. I was so good on my ropes. But we'll see you all Monday. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Kewl Show. We will see you all on Monday. Goodbye.